0: You are listening to the Less Drama, More Mama podcast, episode 81, my answers to your parenting questions. This is Less Drama, More Mama, the podcast for moms who want to feel calm, in control, and confident about how to handle anything life throws their way. You're ready to go from feeling frazzled and disrespected to feeling calm and connected. This is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Pam Howard. Hello, Mama. I want to start by thanking those of you who signed up for the webinars I offered last week. I had never done a webinar before, and now I've done four of them. And what was really interesting to me was watching my own brain throughout the entire process. One of my default thoughts is, I don't know. And it came up a bajillion times. I don't know how to do a webinar. I don't know what to talk about. I don't know how I'm going to get it all done in time. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Now, my brain was just doing what brains do. It was trying to protect me and keep me safe. It was trying to save energy and keep me comfortable. Trying to figure out a webinar required me to do a lot of work and be uncomfortable. So my brain was doing its job beautifully. In order to get a new result, I had to take new actions and think new thoughts. I had to constantly ask myself, if you did know what to talk about on the webinar, what would it be? How will you figure out all the tech and all of the elements that go into a webinar? I was determined to do it, so I had to keep thinking thoughts to create the feeling of determination rather than indulging in confusion and indecision. Then on the first webinar, I spent the first 15 minutes talking without realizing that my mic wasn't turned on. Hello. So my brain immediately went to thoughts like, oh my gosh, you're such an idiot. How could you do that? you should just give up and go back inside the cave. This whole thing was a stupid idea. But then almost just as quickly, I changed my thoughts to, the show must go on. People are here because they need my help. I'm gonna start over and everyone will get the recording. Even if they gave up on me and left by now, I'm not gonna give up on them. So I turned the mic on and I started over. Then on the second webinar, I got all the tech figured out, but when I got to the part where I answered questions live, my brain started thinking, you need to give the perfect answers. You need to say the right things. This is being recorded. Don't screw it up. And all of those thoughts caused me to feel anxious and pressured. And remember, our thoughts cause our feelings, which cause our actions. So because I was feeling anxious and pressured, what did I do? I started rambling and saying, um, and you know, and kind of stumbled through all the questions, bringing about the very result I was trying to avoid. So at that point, I could have said to myself, okay, you did two webinars, you gave it a shot. Clearly, you're not cut out for this. You should just stick to doing the podcast. But instead, I said, no, in order to get better at webinars, I need to practice doing webinars. So I scheduled two more. And the third one went so much better. I felt calm and confident. All the tech worked. I answered questions much more confidently. And the fourth one was the same. My thoughts became I can do this. I'm a person who does webinars. And so, why am I telling you all of this? Because If I didn't have the skills to manage my brain, I would have believed all the thoughts it was telling me. I probably would have given up on the very first webinar and I wouldn't have gotten any better at them. But more importantly, I wouldn't have provided help to the moms who showed up to all of them and who watched the replays. That's the whole reason I wanted to do webinars in the first place. And I just think this is such a cool example outside of parenting to share with you but hopefully you can see that this applies to parenting as well. Your brain will always offer you thoughts about you as a mom, about your kids, about other moms and their kids, about your decisions. And your brain, unsupervised, is like a toddler running around with a Sharpie. It just goes around making a big mess. And that's why coaching is so valuable because it helps you manage your brain. So I did these four webinars, and the title was How to Get Your Kids to Listen Without Yelling at Them. And I taught for the first 25 minutes or so, and then I answered questions, and I thought, you know, I bet more moms have these same exact questions, so why not answer some of them again on the podcast so everyone can benefit? And also, I wanted to answer them even more thoughtfully because it was really challenging for me to answer them on the spot. And there were a few things I thought of after the fact that I would have added in an ideal situation. So I'm going to read 11 questions and tell you my answers. Okay, so the first question was, what do I do when I tell my kids to come to the table for dinner and they don't come? I don't want to yell, but then they don't listen. So my answer was, first, you always wanna start by taking a look at your thoughts about the situation. If you think that your kids should listen to you when you call them to the dinner table and they don't, you're going to feel angry. But you could choose to think, of course my kids don't come to the dinner table right away when I call them because they're busy doing other things. It's not like they're trying to upset me or be defiant. They just don't wanna stop doing whatever it is that they're doing or they're so engrossed in another activity that they don't even realize I'm calling them. Those thoughts will cause you to feel calmer and more compassionate and either try again or walk upstairs instead of screaming to them from the kitchen. I see this all the time in my own house. I call my kids to dinner and if they don't come right away, my mother will say, where are they? Why aren't they listening? As though something has gone terribly wrong. And I'll say, I don't know, they probably didn't hear me and I'll call them again. I rarely get upset in that type of situation. So question number two was, how do I make my kids take me seriously when I'm not yelling? You can't make your kids take you seriously, but chances will be higher that they take you seriously when you calmly and consistently do what you say you're going to do. Actions speak louder than words, and you can let the consequences do the yelling so you don't have to. For example, when you ask your kids to clean up their toys and they don't, you can calmly put them in a box on a shelf and let your kids know that because they didn't clean up like you asked, they won't be able to play with those toys the next day. And then you follow through no matter how much they complain or beg or whine. And I think that is one of the hardest things for moms to do is follow through and be consistent because they can't tolerate their child feeling upset or angry. So they'll make empty threats, which isn't only confusing for kids, but it keeps them pushing the limits because they're thinking, is this the time mom's really going to do what she says she's going to do? Or will she change her mind if I whine long enough? So Set expectations and consequences, and then follow through calmly and consistently. Okay, question number three, I tell my kids to do something strictly and they listen. So what does it matter if I'm calm? I thought this was a really great question. And the truth is, you get to decide. You can choose to yell if you want to. Now for me, compliance isn't my goal. Connection is my goal. And when I yell, I feel disconnected from my kids. What I've seen in my relationships with my kids and with my clients' relationships with their kids is that the more connected kids feel, the more they want to comply. So yelling may work for you in the moment, but at what cost to your relationship? Question number four was, my three-year-old son thinks every situation is funny Examples, running away in the parking lot, grabbing a cell phone and running away. I think he likes any reaction he gets, even if it's negative. How do I keep him safe in situations like these? So when your child's safety is at risk, you probably do want to raise your voice. If you didn't, if you were like, Johnny, get out of the street now, (laughs) I'd be worried about you. So remember, the goal isn't to always feel calm and happy. There will definitely be times you'll want to feel angry or afraid, and that's okay. But I definitely take a look at what you have control over as a mom to help your son be more safe until he's old enough to understand that running in a parking lot isn't always funny. So are there books or videos about safety that you could look at together? Do you need to buy one of those harnesses for him to wear until he's older so he can't get away from you? He probably does enjoy the negative reaction. So how can you give him positive attention when he's doing the right thing, when he's holding your hand and walking with you instead of running away? I would make sure you have clear expectations and consequences set ahead of time and then make sure you follow through every single time. Question number five, What do you do when siblings are constantly bickering and pushing each other's buttons on purpose, which escalates to yelling, screaming, and crying? So the first thing I recommend is figuring out why they're bickering. Much of the time, siblings are vying for their parents' attention because they feel jealous of each other. So one way to reduce rivalry is to spend time connecting with each of your children separately every day. You also want to teach them how to problem solve. Just saying go work it out without teaching them the skills to work it out isn't helpful. And you always want to manage your own thoughts and feelings so you don't end up escalating the situation even more with your anger by taking sides, punishing them, or trying to solve their problems for them. And after you've cleaned up your own thoughts about them fighting, and only then You can start teaching them that they're responsible for how they feel in every moment and that no one else can push their buttons or make them feel anything. Now that's a hard concept for adults to grasp. So that's why I want you to grasp it first and then you can start teaching it to your kids. Question number six, I'm lost when it comes to how to handle my four-year-old's daily tantrums and when he hits his baby sister. Can you help? So the last thing you want to do when your child is having a tantrum is to have a tantrum of your own, because that communicates to your child that you're not in control. When your kid's emotions and behavior are out of control, the most supportive thing you can do is to stay calm yourself so your child feels safe knowing that mom's in control. He can fall apart and mom will be okay. And negative emotions are okay. Tantrums are just your child's way of getting out big emotions that he doesn't know how to deal with. It doesn't mean anything has gone wrong. So let him know that it's okay to have big emotions and to be angry, but it's not okay to hit his baby sister or yell and scream. Give the baby lots of attention and then maybe separate him for a few minutes to allow him to calm down. Then, like in that other example, you want to focus your attention on what you want rather than on what you don't want. When he's being gentle with his baby sister or letting little things roll off his back, let him know you notice and give him positive encouragement. Question number seven, are you a proponent of timeouts? So the way I liked to use timeouts when my girls were younger was Not as a punishment, but as an opportunity for them to calm themselves down. I sometimes referred to it as taking space. And many times I would say, okay, you need to go take some space right now so that you can calm down. And many times I would take space for myself to calm myself down and manage my mind before going back to a situation. But I want to be clear that what worked for me may not work for you. You get to decide based on what feels right to you and what works in your family. And so whether or not I'm a proponent of timeouts for my family doesn't mean anything about what you should do in yours. Question number eight is my son has ADHD and makes noises that annoy me and my husband. We ask him to stop, but eventually we just snap. How can we help him to stop while keeping calm? So here's how I answered this. I said, your son's noises don't annoy you. Your thoughts about his noises do. Now, this may seem like semantics, but it's really important to understand the distinction because it gives you all of your power back. And from that place of power, you can choose how you want to feel. You can help him understand the noises, help him see how his behavior is impacting others. But in the end, You're the one responsible for how you feel, not him. And the good news is, he doesn't have to change a thing in order for you to feel less annoyed. Question number nine, how do I prevent the knee-jerk reaction of getting angry and yelling? It just happens so fast, I don't even think about anything before I yell. I answered that you do think something, even though you may not be aware of it. There's always a thought preceding an emotion. As a coach, I help people slow everything down and take a look at, okay, what were the thoughts that caused you to get angry? What could you be thinking differently the next time? And once you get good at being more aware and reflecting on past circumstances, then you get to the point where you feel the emotion of anger in your body, but instead of reacting to it, you think a new thought to create a different feeling and action. And then eventually you get to the point where you automatically think different thoughts and then you can look back and say, gosh, I don't even remember the last time I yelled or I can't believe I used to get so upset about those sorts of things. Now it's a process that takes time, but it's totally doable. Question number 10 was, how can I improve my thoughts, feelings, and actions if no one else changes? And here's the beautiful thing. No one else needs to change. Relationships are kind of like a dance. When you change your part of the dance, at first, it may seem like things get worse before they get better. Because the other person or people are like, hey, wait a minute. This isn't the way mom usually does this dance. And they'll try to pull you back into the old one. But when you're consistent and you keep showing up in a new way and doing the new dance, they're more likely to eventually change their part of the dance too. But even if they don't, you'll be showing up the way you want to and feeling better about it. Question 11, how can I overcome my immediate reaction to acting differently as being fake? This was a cool question. And the reason it feels fake to act differently is because you don't yet believe the thoughts that will cause you to feel calm. So you're trying to resist your anger while taking a calm action. And so it feels fake because it is fake. But when you start to actually believe that nothing's gone wrong and everything is happening exactly the way it's supposed to, then you'll be able to actually feel calm and your actions will be aligned with that and it'll no longer be fake. If what I'm saying here is resonating with you and you want to learn more about how to transform your parenting and other areas of your life... You've got to sign up for your free mini session with me. Even if you've tried therapy or you've taken a parenting class before, you've never tried my coaching and I promise it'll completely change your life. Go to lessdramamoremama.com forward slash mini to sign up and let me show you what's possible for you. And if you want to find out more about future free classes or other offers, make sure you're signed up to my email list. You can go to lessdramamoremama.com forward slash subscribe, and it'll take you to a little form that'll take you less than five seconds to fill out. Also, if you've got a question that you'd like me to answer, email it to me at pam at lessdramamoremama.com. I hope you have a fantastic week, and I'll see you back here next Tuesday. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Less Drama, More Mama podcast. If you like this episode, please take a moment to write a quick review on iTunes and make sure you subscribe too so you never miss a show. Got a question, comment, or idea for an upcoming episode? Email me at pam at lessdramamoremama.com.